Good morning, everyone, and welcome to our Course in Miracles daily reading conference call. We read from the text of Course in Miracles original edition, which is published by our dear friends at the Course in Miracles Society. You can access an online copy of the original edition by going to jcim.net, or if you mouse over the link at top from one edition, you'll see the link to read A Course in Miracles OE. On that same drop-down, there's an option to subscribe to have both the daily text reading and the lesson of the day sent to you from the Course in Miracles Society. My name is Lori Cameron. This call is Monday through Friday from about 9.15 to about 11 o'clock a.m. Eastern. And today we continue our reading of Chapter 2, The Illusion of Separation. We're reading in Section 5, the second half, which we began yesterday. Uh, today we're reading paragraphs 93 through 105. We're also mindful of our lesson today. Lesson 24. I do not perceive my own best interests. I do not perceive my own best interests. And by way of opening this morning, uh, I was led to this brief meditation from Marianne Williamson which speaks to letting the Holy Spirit really reveal to us our own best interests. The meditation is called The Purpose of My Life is to Grow into My Perfection. The embryo doesn't struggle to become a baby. The acorn does not struggle to become an oak tree. Nor do I need to struggle to become the person I am created to be. I am supported in the process of my self-actualization. As I show up in glory, my life will be glorious. As I celebrate the beauty of life, life will celebrate my beauty. As I relax into the flow of the miraculous, then miracles will find me. I will embody in time the per perfection of my true self. Dear God, I surrender to the thoughts of love that I might find my way to you. In finding you, I will find myself and then I will know joy. Amen. Thank you, Lori. That was beautiful. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you, everybody. <clears throat> okay. So, I'll start us off in Chapter 2, The Illusion of Separation, Section 5, Correction for Lack of Love, beginning with Paragraph 93. You who constantly complain about fear still persist in creating it. I told you before that you cannot ask me to release you from fear because I know it does not exist. But you do not. If I merely intervene between your thoughts and their results, I would be tampering with the basic law of cause and effect, the most fundamental law there is in this world. I would hardly help if I depreciated the power of your own thinking. This would be in direct opposition to the purpose of this course. It is much more helpful to remind you 
that you do not guard your thoughts carefully except for a small part of the day and somewhat inconsistently even then. You may feel at this point that it would take a miracle to enable you to do this, which is perfectly true. Lemoyne. You who constantly complain about fear still persist in creating it. I told you before that you cannot ask me to release you from fear because I know it does not exist, but you do not. If I merely intervened between your thoughts and their results, I would be tampering with a basic law of cause and effect, the most fundamental law there is in this world. I would hardly help if I depreciated the power of your own thinking. This would be in direct opposition to the purpose of the course. It is much more helpful to remind you that you do not guard your thoughts carefully, except for a small part of the day, and somewhat inconsistently, even then. <clears throat> you may feel at this point that it would take a miracle to, to enable you to do this, which is perfectly true. Men are not used to miraculous thinking, but they can be trained to think that way. All miracle workers need that kind of training. I cannot let them leave their minds unguarded, or they will not be able to help me. Miracle working entails a full realization of the power of thought and real avoidance of miscreation. Otherwise, a miracle will be necessary to set the mind itself straight, a circular process which would hardly foster the time collapse for which the miracle was intended. Nor would it induce the healthy respect for true cause and effect which every, every miracle worker must have. Thank you, Lemoyne. And I think I forgot to give the reading list. Uh, so after Lemoyne, it would be Diana, Robin Marie, Harrison, Donna, and Karen. And has anyone else joined us at the list? Good morning. Jessica's here, and I can read. Welcome, morning, Jessica. Thanks. Anyone else? Okay. I beg your pardon for having look, overlooked that. So then, Diana, if you would like to pick up 9495, please. Hello? Hello? Oh, you, you were there. Uh, Diana, I think you I think you're on mute. <laughs> oh, oh, okay. Yeah. Just, uh, yeah. We'll come back to you, Diana. Oh. Yeah. 
Oh, are you there now, honey? No, I, I'm seeing okay. she put herself in, in a separate room. It's two stars. Oh, and okay. And you go to a room. Yeah. I see. Okay. Stars again. All right. Well, we'll come back to Diana then. Yeah, she's she's going to reconnect. So, Robin Marie, would you like to do 94 and 95? Sure. Um, Thanks. <laughs> I didn't know you could put yourself in other rooms. <laughs> okay. Oh, in her house, probably. <laughs> it's like I've got it in the clouds. Okay. Men are not used to miraculous thinking, but they can be trained to think that way. All miracle workers need that kind of training. I cannot let them leave their minds unguarded, or they will not be able to help me. Miracle working entails a full realization of the power of thought and real avoidance of miscreation. Otherwise, a miracle will be necessary to set the mind itself straight, a circular process which would hardly foster the time collapse for which the miracle was intended. Nor would it induce the healthy respect for true cause and effect, which every miracle worker must have. Both miracles and fear, and fear come from thoughts. And if you were not free to choose one, you would also not be free to choose the other. By choosing the miracle, you have rejected fear. You have been afraid of God, of me, of yourselves, and of practically everyone you know at one time or another. This is because you have misperceived or miscreated us and believe in what you have made. You would never have done this if you were not afraid of your own thoughts. The vulnerable are essentially miscreators because they misperceive creation. Thank you, Robin Marie. And Diana, uh, 95 and 96. Okay, 95. Miracles, hold on, let's get my light in here. Miracles cannot free the miracle worker from fear. Both miracle and fear come from thoughts. And if you were not free to choose one, you would also not be free to choose the other. By choosing a miracle, you have rejected fear. You have been afraid of God, of me, of yourself, and of practically everyone you know at one point in time or another. This is because you have misperceived or miscreated us and believe in what you have made. You would never have done this if you were not afraid of your own thoughts. The vulnerable are essentially miscreations because they mis, um, mis um, perceive creation. 96. You insist in believing that when you do not consciously watch your mind, 
It is unmindful. It is time, however, to consider the whole world of the conscious or unwatched mind. This may be, this may well frighten you because it is the source of fear. The unwatched mind is responsible for the whole content of the unconscious which lies above the miracle level. The psychoanalyst therapists uh, have some contribution in this connection, but none of them have seen it in its true entirely. They have all made one common error in that they attempt to uncover unconscious content. You cannot understand unconscious activity in the terms because content is applicable only to the more superficial sub-unconscious levels to which the individual himself contributes. This is the unconscious levels to which the individual himself contributes, okay? This is the level at which he can really introduce fear and usually does. Thank you. Thank you, Diana. Uh, Then Harrison, please. 96. You persist in believing that when you do not consciously watch your mind, it is unmindful. It is time, however, to consider the whole world of the unconscious or, quote unquote, unwatched mind. This may well frighten you because it is the source of fear. The unwatched mind is responsible for the whole content of the unconscious, which lies above the miracle level. All psychoanalytic theorists have made some contribution in this connection, but none of them have seen it in its entirety. They have all made one common error in that they attempted to uncover unconscious content. You cannot understand unconscious activity in these terms because quote-unquote content is applicable only to the more superficial unconscious levels to which the individual himself contributes. This is the level at which he can readily introduce fear and usually does. 97. When man miscreates, he is in pain. The cause and effect principle here is temporarily a real expediter. Actually, cause, quote-unquote, is a term properly belonging 
to God and, quote-unquote, affect, which should also be capitalized, is his son. This entails a set of cause and effect relationships which are totally different from those which man introduced into his own miscreations. The fundamental opponents and the real basic conflict are creation and miscreation. All fear is implicit in the second, just as all love is inherent in the first. Because of this difference, the basic conflict is one between love and fear. Thank you, Harrison. And Donna. When man creates, he is, when man miscreates, he is in pain. The cause and effect principle here is temporarily an expediter. Actually, quote, cause, end quote, is a term properly belonging to God and, quote, effect, end quote, which should also be capitalized, is his son. This entails a set of cause and effect relationships which are totally different from those which man introduced into his own miscreations. The fundamental opponents in the real basic conflict are creation and miscreation. All fear is implicit in the second, just as all love is inherent in the first. Because of this difference, the basic conflict is one of love and fear. 98. It must also be said, it has already been said, that man believes he cannot control fear because he himself created it. His belief in it seems to render it out of accord, out of his accord by definition. Yet any attempt to resolve the basic conflict through the concept of mastery of fear is meaningless. In fact, it asserts the power of fear by the simple assumption that it need be mastered. This essential resolution rests entirely on the mastery of love. In the interim, the sense of conflict is inevitable since man has placed himself in a strangely illogical position. He believes in the power of what does not exist. Thank you, Donna. And Karen. 98. It has already been said that man believes he cannot control fear because he himself created it. 
His belief in it seems to render it out of control by definition. Yet, any attempt to resolve the basic concept through the concept of mastery of fear is meaningless. Excuse me, I'm going to reread that. Yet, any attempt to resolve the basic conflict through the concept of mastery of fear is meaningless. In fact, it asserts the power of fear by the simple assumption that it need be mastered. The essential resolution rests entirely on the mastery of love. In the interim, the sense of conflict is inevitable since man has placed himself in a strangely illogical position. He believes in the power of what does not exist. 99. Two concepts which cannot coexist are quote-unquote nothing and quote-unquote everything. To whatever extent one is believed in, the other has been denied. In the conflict, Fear is really nothing, and love is everything. This is because whenever light enters darkness, the darkness is abolished. What man believes is true for him. What man believes is true for him. In this sense, the separation has occurred. And to deny this is merely to misuse denial. However, to concentrate on error is merely a further misuse of defenses. The true corrective procedure is to recognize error temporarily, but only as an indication that immediate correction is mandatory. This establishes a state of mind in which the atonement can be accepted without delay. Hooray. Thank you, Karen. Uh, Jessica, if everybody wants to check their line to see if they're muted, that would be just great. <laughs> Thank you, Lori. 99. Two concepts which cannot coexist are, quote, nothing and, quote, everything. To whatever extent one is believed in, the other has been denied. In the conflict, fear, uh, in the conflict, fear is really nothing, and love is everything. This is because whenever light enters darkness, the darkness is abolished. What man believes is true for him, in this sense, the separation has occurred. Wait a second, sorry. <laughs> I was distracted by the noise in the background. What man believes is true for him. In this sense, the separation has occurred, and to deny this is merely to misuse denial. However, to concentrate on error is merely a further misuse of defenses. The true corrective procedure is to recognize error temporarily, but only as an indication that immediate correction is mandatory. 
This establishes a state of mind in which the atonement can be accepted without delay. 100. It should be emphasized, however, that ultimately there is no compromise possible between everything and nothing. Time is essentially a device by which all compromise in this respect can be given up. It seems to be abolished by degrees because time itself involves the concept of intervals which do not really exist. The faulty use of creation made this necessary as a corrective device. And God so loved the world that he gave his only... Oh, sorry, this is a quote. And God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in him shall not perish but have eternal life, unquote. Needs only one slight correction to be entirely meaningful in this context. It should read, quote, he gave it to his he gave it to his only begotten son, unquote. Phew. Thank you, Jessica. And would there be a new reader for 100 and 101? Paragraph 100 and 101. Okay, back to you, Lemoyne. Okay. It should especially be noted that God has only one son. If all the souls God created are his sons, then every soul must be an integral part of the whole sonship. You do not find the concept that the whole is greater than its part to be difficult to understand. You should therefore not have too much trouble in understanding this. The sonship in its oneness does transcend the sum of its parts. However, this is obscured as long as any of its parts are missing. That is why the conflict cannot ultimately be resolved until all the parts of the sonship have returned. Only then can the meaning of wholeness in the true sense be fully understood. Thank you, Lemoyne. And Diana, are you able to read 102 and 103? Yes, I am. Thank you. 102. The sunset in its oneness does transcend the sum of its parts. However, this is obscured as long as any of its parts are missing. That is why the conflict cannot ultimately be resolved until all the parts of the sonship have returned. Only then can the meaning of wholeness in the true sense be fully understood. 103, 
any part of the sonship can believe in error or incompleteness if he so elects. However, if he does so, he is believing in the experience of nothingness, existence. The correction of this error is atonement. We have already briefly spoken about readiness, but there are some additional points which might be helpful here. Readiness is nothing more than the prerequisite for accomplishment. The two should not be confused. As soon as a state of readiness occurs, there is usually some will to accomplish, but this is by no means necessarily undivided. The state does not imply more than a potential for a shift of will. Thank you. Thank you, Diana. And Robin Marie. Any part of the sonship can believe in error or incompleteness if he so elects. However, if he does so, he is believing in the existence of nothingness. The correction of this error is the atonement. We have already briefly spoken about readiness, but there are some additional points which might be helpful here. Readiness is nothing more than the prerequisite for accomplishment. The two should not be confused. As soon as a state of readiness occurs, there is usually some will to accomplish, but this is by no means necessarily undivided. The state does not imply more than a potential for a shift of will. Confidence confidence cannot develop fully until mastery has been accomplished. We have already attempted to correct the fundamental error that fear can be mastered and have emphasized that only love can be mastered. You have attested only to your readiness. Mastery of love involves a much more complete confidence than either of you has attained. However, the readiness at least is an indication that you believe this is possible. That is only the beginning of confidence. In case this be misunderstood, to imply that an enormous amount of time will be necessary between readiness and mastery, let me remind you that time and space are under my control. Thank you, Rama Marie. And Harrison. One of four. Confidence cannot develop fully until mastery has been accomplished. We have already attempted to correct the fundamental error that fear can be mastered. 
and have emphasized that only love can be mastered. You have attested only to your readiness. Mastery of love involves a much more complete confidence than either of you has attained. However, the readiness at least is an indication that you believe this is possible. That is only the beginning of confidence. In case this be misunderstood to imply that an enormous amount of time will be necessary between readiness and mastery, let me remind you that time and space are under my control. One of five. One of the chief ways in which man can correct his miracle-minded. Let me repeat that. One of the chief ways in which man can correct can correct his magic miracle confusion is to remember that he did not create himself. He is apt to forget this when he becomes egocentric, and this places him in a position where the belief in magic in some form is virtually inevitable. His will to create was given him by his own creator, who, had, who was expressing the same will in his creation. Since creative ability rests in the mind, everything that man creates is necessarily a matter of will. It also follows that whatever he creates is real in his own sight but not necessarily in the sight of God. This basic distinction leads us directly into the real meaning of the last judgment. Thank you, Harrison. And Donna. 105. One of the chief ways in which man can correct his magic hyphen miracle confusion is to remember that he did not create himself. He is apt to forget this when he becomes egocentric, and this places him in a position where the belief in magic in some form is virtually inevitable. His will to create was given him by his own creator, who was expressing the same will in his creation. Since creative ability rests in the mind, everything that man creates is necessarily a matter of will. It also follows that whatever he creates is real 
in his own sight, but not necessarily in the sight of God. This basic distinction leads us directly into the real meaning of the last judgment. Thank you, Donna. And thank you, everyone who read this morning. Um, I think just... um, Well, let's see. This section is very, very, very rich. every, Every idea is contributing to the whole. But I think to highlight... Specifically, um, paragraph 95, I think there's one unmuted line. Both miracles and fear come from thoughts. And if you were not free to choose one, you would also not be free to choose the other. By choosing the miracle, you have rejected fear. And in paragraph 99, two concepts which cannot coexist are nothing and everything. To whatever extent one is believed in, the other has been denied. In the conflict, fear is really nothing, and love is everything. This is because whenever light enters darkness, the darkness is abolished. What man believes is true for him, in this sense the separation has occurred, and to deny this is merely to misuse denial. However, to concentrate on error is merely to further, merely a further misuse of defenses. The true corrective procedure is to recognize error temporarily, but only as an indication that immediate correction is mandatory. This establishes a state of mind in which the atonement can be accepted without delay. And with that, As a foundation for today's lesson, I do not perceive my own best interests. I think maybe this would be a good time for a pause. So, uh, has anyone given some thought to volunteering on whether or not they'd like to lead our reflection in the lesson this morning? We need a volunteer. Laurie, this is Lemoyne. Yes. Yes. And uh, yeah, I could volunteer for that, but I, I am. Uh, I don't know how to say it. I'm not judging myself, but I should. I don't think I read a hundred the second time. So I don't think you did either, and I noticed that. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So, I think to follow your. Uh, to follow your emphasis on 99 and the separation of nothing and everything, um, yeah. Could, would you would you read 100 as well? I will. I will because that is Thanks. a very important paragraph. It should be emphasized, however, since we talked about um, recognized fear, so that we can make immediate correction. It should be emphasized, however, that ultimately there is no compromise possible between everything and nothing. 
Time is essentially a device by which all compromise in this respect can be given up. It seems to be abolished by degrees because time itself involves the concept of intervals which do not really exist. The faulty use of creation made this necessary as a corrective device. Now quoting, And God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whoever believeth in him shall not perish but have eternal life, end quote. Needs only one slight correction to be entirely meaningful in this context. It should read, quote, He gave it to his only begotten Son, end quote. Thanks for pointing that out, Lemoyne. So, do we have a volunteer to lead our lesson reflection this morning? I can do it. It's Karen. Thanks, Karen. Lesson 24. I do not perceive my own best interests. In no situation which arises do you realize the outcome that would make you happy. You have no guide to appropriate action and no way of judging the result. What you do is determined by your perception of the situation and that perception is wrong. It is inevitable then that you will not serve your own best interests. Yet they are your only goal in any situation which is correctly perceived. If you realize that you do not perceive your own best interests, you could be taught what they are. But in the presence of your conviction that you do know what they are, you cannot learn. The idea for today is a step toward opening your mind so that learning can begin. This Exercise requires much more honesty than you are accustomed to using. A few subjects honestly and carefully considered in each of the five practice periods which should be undertaken today will be more helpful than a cursory examination of a larger number. The emphasis should be on uncovering the outcome you want. You will quickly realize that you have a number of goals in mind as part of the desired outcome, and also that these goals are on different levels and often conflict. Name each situation that occurs to you and enumerate carefully as many goals as possible that you would like to be met in in its resolution. The form of each application should be Roughly as followed, in the situation involving fill in the blank, I would like blank to happen and help and blank to happen. Try to uncover as many different kinds of outcomes as may honestly occur to you, even if some of them do not appear to you to be directly related to the situation or even to be inherent in it at all. You will quickly realize that you are making a large number of demands of the situation, which have nothing to do with it, 
you will also recognize that many of your goals are contradictory and that you have no unified outcome in mind. You have no unified outcome in mind and that you must experience disappointment in connection with some of your goals, however the situation turns out. After covering the list of as many hopeful goals as possible, say to yourself, I do not perceive my own best interest in this situation. I do not perceive my own best interest. How could I recognize my own best interest when I do not know who I am? What I think are my best interests would merely bind me closer to the world of illusions. I am willing to follow the guide God has given me to find out what my own best interests are recognizing that I cannot perceive them by myself. I do not perceive my own best interests. I do not perceive my own best interest. The floor is open. Thank you, Karen, and amen. Thank you, Karen. Thank you, Karen. Thank you, Karen. Thank you, Karen. This is Diane. Uh, I, I would like to, can somebody give me an example of this lesson? In this situation involving blank, I would like blank to happen and blank to happen. I just need a little clarification on how that is really, that how I'm supposed to be thinking about this particular lesson. I'm complete. Hi, it's Robin Marie. I just was very thankful in the lesson 55 when it says, I am willing to follow the guide God has given me to find out what my own best interests are, uh, recognizing that I cannot perceive them by myself. And so um, if we are following that guide and we have that feeling inside our heart and mind that this is right, then... Uh, then we can um, realize our own, own best interest. It just has to do with putting the cause first. 
that was my take. Thanks. Thank you, Robin Marie. This is Donna. Um, Oh, uh, thank you. The, um, in the situation involving blank, I would like blank to happen and to happen. I had a real, uh, I have a real event. To, <clears throat> so in the situation involving my resentment and grudge against someone, I would like to stand and let Jesus put the miracle in. So that's how, I, that's how I see what I actually did and got the miracle. Didn't exactly word it that way. But uh, uh, anyway, I hope that helps. Uh, complete. Oh, yes. Practical forgiveness right there. Thank you. Thanks, Donna. I got a really basic... I... Go ahead. Go ahead. Okay, I'll go ahead. <laughs> um, it's Karen. Um, so I was looking at a situation in my life, um, and I was interacting with people, and I wanted the situation to be different. And um, because it didn't change and I had to keep going back to it, it seemed like the same thing happens over and over and over everywhere I go. Um, because it kept repeating, I realized today that they were shadow figures. I mean, there was a lesson here, like it's a shadow figure reality that I'm projecting on the truth of a love, you know, an infinite love. Had it not repeated over and over and over, um, if it had changed the way I wanted it to change superficially, I wouldn't have been able to see it. It took a long time for me to see it, that, you know, that everybody, even though the same situation changed and all the people changed, the content kept coming back. And if it hadn't kept coming back, I couldn't have recognized that it's being projected from my unconscious mind because it's, it's unhealed and unforgiven um, drama and emotions and so on that, that I have carried in my ego. But by the grace of God, by it repeating, Suddenly, I could see, oh, that person represents a sh- this shadow figure, and that person represents that shadow figure, and none of it is real. It's not real at all, unless I choose to make it real by believing in it, because power of belief is in me, and I make it real only for myself, but that's a choice. But in the in the place of learning to recognize it, if it had changed and everything had gone nice, I wouldn't have been able to see how I do this in my life. So I don't perceive my own best interests. I mean, it was such a great learning I would have I would have deprived myself of had everything changed the way that my ego wanted it to be. 
and it would have bound me closer to the world of illusion, the false world of superficial reality. I'm complete. Thank you. Oh, that was an excellent example. Thank you for that, Karen. Uh, this is Lemoyne, and uh, <laughs> yeah, to try and answer Diana, um, I I have this. There is a situation involving my father, and just <laughs> I have to say, a former arm. He had his arm amputated, and um, you know, he's his voice sounds different. He just sounds better. He sounds so much better. But, I, you know, I still haven't been able to go see him. And so it's like I think that's, that that just that simple fellowship and visiting is really what would potentially be helpful. But, you know, what I, what I do instead is you know, in the situation involving my father, I would like to have a car so I could just go there without having the red bus downtown make friends. You know, you get, I start to bring in that. And it's like in that situation involving my father, I would like to uh, to be respected for being the one member of the family who didn't take the vaccine and and have my views be you know, at least acknowledge that not purely a fear, even though there was some of fear, and so I'm bringing in all that. And in the situation with my father, I would like to, <clears throat> I would like, uh, you know, just to be, to, this is sort of what's really behind the other one, is just to be recognized as a person and and you know, I still kind of want that, even though it's actually appeared in the sense. <laughs> I still want some kind of token, even though it's appeared in the sense that my stepmother said he's better when he he just seems better after you come around, right? And um, I'm still stuck with wanting things to be a certain way and to make me happy when really he's the one that's been suffering pretty constant pain through the end of the last year. And uh, I can see, you know, I've just loaded it up. I mean, there are other things I could put in there in a situation involving my father. I would like to be able to kidnap him and drag him off to Florida so he could uh, be there with my brother. You know, he goes through what might be the similar thing with his arm. And, <laughs> you know, um, in that one, you know, there is a real goal potentially of happiness, but it's not going to happen unless it's a, a recognized happy project and embraced by everyone, and yet I want that for, this thing for myself. It's like kidnapping. Right, instead of like get everyone involved in moving him at least temporarily closer to my other siblings so they can all just 
drive over to visit him in the day, in the car, rather than have negotiate the continent. Um, you know, there was another one that I'm trying to trying to hide away, but it's it's uh, similarly selfish, and me bringing in things that I want to see as proof of me being okay into a situation that's really particularly his and not really me, not really, I am not the central figure, but I make it, try to make it all about me. Anyway, I just want to throw in that example for you, Diana. There's a lot more that I want to have that doesn't really relate. Anyway, I'm complete. Thank you, Lemoyne. That was just really helpful. And everyone that shared on that, thank you. Thank you, Lemoyne. I think uh, one thing that I've been thinking about this morning was, um, and that may may relate to this, is that um, there is no time with God. So um, when things... Uh, are solved, it's not up to us. It could be uh, when we're past, we passed, and, you know, we're with one and uh, other things. So that's what I've been noticing um, in my life. Uh, my husband died in 2015, and a lot of the things that were not resolved in his life um have become resolved. They're resolving. Um, and his spirit is here. So I think looking at things from uh, the larger perspective um, and not being uh, so, um, well, not being sure, for one, that we know what's going on and then don't grab onto it, but really uh, more trust is necessary. Thank you. Boy, I'm into that. Thank you, Robert Marie. This is Donna. And I would, the toughest thing that, that I've found in my life is to give up wanting what I want because in many cases, well, in the case of going to Kentucky and moving in with my sister, I'm sure that what I wanted was what was needed there, too, to go down there and save them. But what I'm understanding is, as, as I read, read and had this huge healing yesterday when I was willing to surrender uh, my, my grievances uh, to let Jesus and Holy Spirit help me with it, and they gave me the miracle, is that if we can just for a moment, an instant, want what God wants and trust Jesus and the Holy Spirit, particularly since we're reading the book. So I'm beginning to give this book a lot of credence (laughs) and depending on it because I'm getting some massive healings here. You know, we love, nobody loves my sister more than I love my sister except for God. So, uh, So sometimes... Our love 
seemed to be under the impression that it takes us and our love to to do something. And I'm learning that all I got to do is love them and and not uh, and and say to Jesus, I don't want to do anything. You do it. I'm complete. Boy, I love that, Donna. Thank you very much. Thank you, Donna. Oh, I'm going. This is Donna. I'm coming in one more time because I I do have an appointment today and have to leave early. The uh, poem you read this morning by Marianne Williamson's Laurie. I picked out this line: "No struggle to be who I am." There's no struggling and to be who I am. And what it occurred to me, no struggling and to be who I am? Then what? And it just came to me. I need to only, in parentheses, let. L-E-T. I am complete. Mm. Thank you, Donna. Thank you very much. No, this is sure a meaty little section, isn't it? <laughs> Correction for lack of love. Yeah, and that uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna um, give you an example, Diana, of how it's really simple for me. Um, I forgot now which paragraph you were referring to, would you remind me? Um, It was actually the lesson that I was referring to. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. All righty. So in regard to that, I do not perceive my own best interests. Uh, This this one is easy for me. Of, of all the lessons because I've um, because I finally realized that anytime I think I know um, understanding will depart from me that quickly but when I am willing to understand the truth um, what I need will come to me a, a real simple example um, I do not understand my own best interests uh, a couple years ago, uh, when COVID first started, uh, my dog was sick, and I needed to um, go to the grocery store and get something for him. But there was a part of my mind that was really afraid to do that. Um, 
recognizing recognizing that fear comes from thoughts okay fear is something I make that comes from my thoughts I needed to uh, get some guidance and so um, I didn't want to be afraid to go get what my dog needed I recognized that fear was in my way what would be a better thought I asked my guide and a better thought for that occasion was I am light and so I went to the grocery store repeating to myself I am light asserting the truth of myself obliterated fear I mean all or nothing you know I can either believe in everything or I can believe in nothing I can either believe in fear or I can believe in love the two are the same nothing and fear or love and everything recognizing that I didn't want the thought of fear I am light I walked into the grocery store my tiny little purpose in that adventure was to get meat for my dog but I don't know my own best interest Holy Spirit does and so I went to the counter to get the meat for the dog <laughs> and it turned into a lovely interaction with truth where I was fortified and the person behind the counter helping me was fortified and the purpose of the adventure wasn't to go get meat for my dog the purpose for the adventure was how do we love our dogs and how do we share love and the exchange with the person behind the counter became much larger much larger than I could have conceived in my tiny little purpose and so I don't know my own best interests uh, means the minute the minute I give up my erroneous thought of fear that's an error love will come back to my awareness in the form of light my mind will be lit with understanding of love and the sharing of love the exchange turned into an exchange of love uh, between me and the man at the counter we were both fortified we both um, realized uh, the power of love in ourselves and how we care for our dogs I mean, it's a wonderful encounter um, an encounter I could never have foreseen um, because a miracle of love happened right there when my tiny little purpose was to overcome my fear and go get meat for my dog God has wonderful things in mind for every one of us um, and that wonderful thing is whenever fear is released and love returns to my awareness it turns out in my little tiny view of the world I misjudge everything I do that with my thoughts and when I recognize this thought whatever this thought is is a thought I do not want I'm willing to release it and follow my guide and the thoughts that will replace my tiny little thought will bring love to my awareness where it had totally not been part of the equation before in the adventure of getting meat for the dog <laughs> you know um, so a miracle a miracle is 
nothing more than undoing you know when I'm willing to recognize this thought makes fear I would this I would undo he says this I would undo I did this with my mind it is this I would undo what is the thought um, shadow figures is a really excellent example I did this with my mind by bringing past material into the present moment and uh, and what's for me to understand is that in every situation in every relationship in every exchange I have with creation there is something grander available to me than what I can see from my tiny little perspective behind the thought of fear um, unconscious content is is nothing more than material um, it's not content he says it's not um, like I'm going to go into a cave and find some horrible thing uh, that I can recognize and see and and um, and identify as the cause of all my problems it's not like that it's a fear thought that I bring with me in any and every situation that makes me feel like I'm alone in solving a problem all of the unconscious content is a, it's not content it's material that I've stored because I didn't know what to do with it and it caused me to fear life is about presenting me with different opportunities I love how you said it keeps coming back Karen life is about pre presenting me with different opportunities that will reveal to me the material that I didn't want and it's revealed to me in projection I've placed it on the world instead of in my mind and so when life presents me with this situation whatever it seems to be it reveals to me the unconscious content of my mind that triggered this thought um, it happens over and over and over and over and over again until I become certain of the fact that um, love will guide my responses to any situation if I'm willing to let go whatever it is that triggered my fear response or thought um, so that's some of the stuff I saw in this section I'm complete thank you Lori thank you Lori it was so nice that you got what I was trying to say um, I just want to say all experiences interpreted correctly are opportunities for healing you know and my ego wants to resist the experiences like it doesn't like but if I don't open and pay attention I can't I can't purify what's there I'm complete yeah <laughs> that's exactly right this is Donna. I uh, this is a this came to me this morning, so I'm I'm going to share it. For me, it's so beautiful. Two scriptures came to mind when you were speaking, uh, Laurie. 
Uh, one is where Jesus says, uh, in the world, you're going to have trials and tribulations, but be of good cheer because I'm in the world, or now we know that he is with us. And the other is, St. Paul said, all things work together for good. And, and um, so in the most tragic of situations, it's like paragraph 94 happens to be the paragraph included with the lesson yesterday that I allowed Jesus and the Holy Spirit to remove a grudge that I would never have let go of. But 94 is very significant to me because in 1994, my my beloved friend Linda died. And she was born on January the 24th. So the very beautiful thing is that on this day, January the 24th, and on that paragraph 94 in our reading today is so healing to awaken me to who I am. And had it not been for her, I would not have been present in this present form of Donna to be here because it was took 24 years and one month of her keeping me alive before the, the Lord uh, could take her and bring her home. So I just want to thank everybody for um, for being so diligent and trying to overcome who they aren't so they can be who they are. I am complete, and thank you. Mm, thank you, Donna. Lovely. Thank you, Donna. That's very beautiful. Would, um, I would love to um, point out 105 and um, relate it to my experience of doing the lesson this morning. <clears throat> One of the chief ways in which man can correct his magic miracle confusion is to remember that he did not create himself. He is apt to forget this when he becomes egocentric. And this places him in a position where the belief in magic, which is self, selfish, self-centered will, in some form is virtually inevitable. His will to create was given him by his own creator, who is expressing the same will in his creation. Since creative ability rests in the mind, everything that man creates is necessarily a matter of will. It also follows that whatever he creates is real, according to what we believe, in our own sight, but not necessarily in the sight of God. And... um, the, um, the lesson which states, I don't know what is in my best interest, and thank you, Karen, for re- reading the, um, the review part of it, which says, how can I, or how could I know what my best interests are when I don't know who I am? Now, the ego, ego mind, ego thought system, which is what, um, you know, the miracle principle in 105 refers to magic miracle confusion that we have consciousness which is is our body and its its use of perception to look and see the world and decide what it thinks it needs according to what it sees and then it sees what it what it wants to see 
because that's how projection perception works. So I wake up and I'm going to do the exercise, right? I wake up and what's my main concern? I got a, I got, I've got pain in my body. This is a concern, an honest, genuine concern. So what is, what is it? What is the goal? What is it I want? Um, I want a healthy body, which seems to be a genuine, honest, open-minded and open-hearted um, concern. You know, this is, this is the way perception works with the person who's within a body. And, um, you know, the outcomes that I think I, I would be met um, as a result of uh, my health issues being resolved would be that I could that I would like to see that I could go out and shovel snow I could take a walk in the snow I could clean my house much better I could go to church and shopping and walks and I could go traveling um, which my health issues have limited and um, so watching how my 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 investment first of all that it's a problem at all is an ego interpretation and that it's 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 the egoic thinking activity really go you know takes takes the bait and goes off you know running just running running behind it i've got all these other problems and all these other outcomes that could come if i had this one problem solved and um according to what my ego thinks it needs, according to the identification in my body. So what I notice in all these thoughts, all these egoic concerns, um, and in and, and review of the lesson, it says, I, I, how, could I know, how can I know what my best interests are when I don't know who I am? Now, from, from a... I am as God created me point of view. Um, I, I've learned through the course that I'm not perceiving my best interests. I'm aligning myself with the egoic thought system. All concerns and problems are made up by the ego and are seeking answers outside of myself. That if I could do this and this and this and this, I would be happy. And it's a never-ending list. Once I get my laundry done, then I can go for a walk, shovel the snow, then I could go for a walk, then I could go get, make some plane reservations. And it, it's an endless seeking outside of myself for imagined and an endless list of needs. So um, backing up, backing up to principle Miracle Principle 38 that says miracles do not emanate from consciousness, which is the surface level of perception. I see what I want to see. I'm projecting what I, I want to see on the world, what I think I need in the world, what, what I think I would like, what I want to be different. You know, that's all superficial consciousness. Now, it says in the Miracle Principles, it's, it's Consciousness is merely a mechanism for responding to what my body perceives. And that miracles, miracles in my natural way of being, 
come deep from deep within my subconscious level, that level that we um, we attain when we're practicing meditation, that I'm still, I'm quiet, I have a tranquil mind, I'm letting go of everything I think I know, everything I think I believe. You know, I'm peaceful and, I'm, you know, the joy is bubbling up and I'm feeling a little bit happy. <laughs> uh, I'm okay and I'm okay with everything in the world, um, which is a completely different um, level at which the mind can rest and miracle impulses come up so that I can identify with them. And, um, and, that, and then I become able to interrelate with the world in a miraculous way, which totally gets me out of my head, out of my agenda, all of the things that I think I need, and restores me to my natural way of being in the world. So it's like I forget the body, I forget my pain, and I just naturally get up and, and do what needs to be done. And um, I don't have any problems anymore. <laughs> so that magic miracle confusion became clear. And um, just looking, looking with a little bit more awareness of where the thoughts arise and how they arise according to um, the stimulus of the world upon my body as a receiver and how I'm responding to it, which is a more subtle body kind of an experience. And um, I'm genuinely um, more gentle and tender and loving with myself in my body and the pain becomes very, very subtle and not quite so screaming out loud anymore. Ergo, I'm real happy with it, and I'm glad to, to begin again a new day with a beginner's mind and hoping to learn something new again. Thank you all for being here, and I love all your shares. I am complete. Now that was very full, Judy. Thank you. Thank you, Judy. That was really great and very practical and relatable. Really helpful. Thank you. Appreciate your share. Thank you, Judy. It's so practical. It's such a into me you see God um, kind of relationship. And it's really allowing um, the we consciousness to come on board and join with and be, be in. It's so wonderful to just slow down. I think that's one of the greatest gifts that, that Lyme gave me. It slowed me down and made me pay closer, uh, more intimate attention to things that were... Um, arising in me because I was in pain, my frustration with it, my anger at it, and, um, you know, it's, it's, it's um, rest, the restlessness, having energy and wanting to move but not being able to move, and the irritability and the discontent, all that came right up in my face. And talking about the dark shadows, 
the only way that I could resolve all of that in me was if I got still and sat down with it and held it like a football in my arms and loved it till it disappeared. <laughs> Thank you. I'm complete. <laughs> Thank you, Judy. Hi, it's Karen again. I just had a quick thought. Um, one thing I've been looking at in my life is that I'm pretty isolated. I'm unbelievably isolated. And, uh, you know, I have a daughter that one daughter I see and the other I talk on the phone with occasionally. But apart from that, there's no humans in my life. And um, I do not perceive my own best interest. So when I was doing this, I thought that situation were different. But the truth of the matter is that if I had the busy life I had before, before I moved here, before COVID, so on, would I be introspective on the course? Would I be focused on the course? Would I give it as much um, attention and that's why it's all in God's hands. It's all in God's hands. You know, and possibly the reason I'm so isolated is because I avoid interpersonal relationships because of that dynamic, which I was talking about before, that just keeps coming back and feeling hurtful or feeling painful, you know. But that is a shadow figure. And I do not perceive my own best interest because God has a plan for healing me. And I don't know how that works or what that is, but I have absolute faith that that it's it's working. And especially today, I know it's working because something huge was uncovered, totally uncovered. And it was all of this emotional pain that just needed to be forgiven and let go of and healed that kept generating shadow figures. Anyway, I'm sorry to go on and on. I'm complete. No, don't be sorry. It's very, very helpful. It's um, it's a process we all undergo. So um, describing your process is always helpful. Thank you, Karen. Thank you. We have a few minutes left. Any final thoughts from anyone we haven't heard from this morning? I um I just I like to to say that I'm grateful for the lesson this morning because um, it reminds me that I don't I don't have any needs. It's only the ego that that perceives um, itself as having a lack or that it's deprived of something. Um, that sense of 
discontent is egoic thinking and that things should be other than they are wants it to be something to be different um it's 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 something that i i um i think it's a, a real ticket to to unlocking the key to the ego being the misery maker the baloney grinder and i like to remember that that um to be joyful is um god's will for me to be happy it's god's will for me and um to be free um and not be a bondage um to things in 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 the world that i'm in the world but not of it and um to be of good cheer thank you i'm complete Thank you, Judy. And thank you. I'm grateful that you um, highlighted the paragraph about magic and miracles. Earlier in this chapter, he said, all fear comes from separate mind willingness. And that's uh, probably as great a definition of magic as there is in this book. But I think it's up to me to rely on my own resources of course I'm going to be afraid. But this lesson is pointing out that um, I have no need to fall back on my own resources. In fact, um, I don't have any resources that I can fall back on. <laughs> I do not know my own best interests. And um, and sometimes it's as simple as the mantra like trust love is for me anyway. There's a certain state of mind that's wide open and receptive. And that state of mind is an invitation for Holy Spirit to fill the space. And... Um, and that's what happens when I give up my my thought. Um, correction of lack of love, correction for lack of love, is um, is an invitation to realize that there never is a lack of love. Only when I think I'm a separate mind falling back on my own resources. Uh, can I make fear for myself? And the correction is to realize that that was the source of the error, that I'm never on my own or on my own resources. In fact, my error was thinking I was. And when I make the space for correction by giving up my thought, correction is made for me. I need to do nothing except not interfere, remember? Um, so how do I become more open and receptive? 
except to realize that it's my thoughts that make fear my separate mind willingness. And by giving up my separate mind willingness, a much more uh, full and comprehensive solution to any problem I have will be revealed for me. And um, several places I thought we could close this call this morning, but um, it seems it seems to be just perfect um, in terms of cause and effect to look at it like this. This is from the Manual of Te- for Teachers. The aim of our curriculum, unlike the goal of the world's learning, is the recognition that judgment in the usual sense is impossible. This is not an opinion, but a fact. In order to judge anything rightly, one would have to be fully aware of an inconceivably wide range of things, past, present, and to come. One would have to recognize in advance all the effects of his judgments on everyone and everything involved in them in any way. And one would have to be certain there is no distortion in his perception so that his judgment would be wholly fair to everyone on whom it rests, now and in the future. Who is in a position to do this? Who, accepting grandiose fantasies, could claim this for himself? Remember how many times you thought you knew all the facts you needed for judgment and how wrong you were? Is there anyone who's not had this experience? Would you know how many times you merely thought you were right without ever realizing you were wrong? Why would you choose such an arbitrary basis for decision-making? Wisdom is not judgment. It is the relinquishment of judgment. (laughs) Make then but one more judgment. It is this. There is, capital, someone with you whose judgment is perfect. He does know all the facts, past, present, and to come. He does know all the effects of his judgment on everyone and everything involved in any way. And he is wholly fair to everyone, for there is no distortion in his perception. Lay judgment down, therefore, not with regret, but with a sigh of gratitude. Now are you free of so great a burden that you would merely stagger and fall down beneath it. And it was all illusion. Nothing more. Now can the teacher of God rise up unburdened and walk lightly on. Your guide is sure. And you'll know where you came to judge. You now come to bless. Where now you laugh. You used to come to weep. That's from the Manual for Teachers in question number 10. I love it for this lesson today. Amen. And thank you all for your shares and for sharing the power of releasing judgment and the changes it has wrought in your life. That's how we strengthen one another. I'm very grateful. Thank you.